Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist and a nutritionist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete. I run Strength Guild, USSF, and Lift for Hope. Awesome. Hey, today we may end up separating a little bit. Uh, Phil and I are going to record, and then Rob and I will sort of add to the topic of the day uh, later. Uh, but I have a little bit of news. Uh, let's start with Iron Radio-specific news. Strength and Muscle Sport News. Uh, firstly, there's going to be a delay, uh, and this may be good news to some of the listeners, but it's very bad news to me behind the scenes. Um, due to technical issues, moving to the Libsyn server, which is our backup server, uh, we're going to delay moving any episodes to um, that subscription format. So everything will re- remain free completely free back to the beginning uh i'm guessing this don't hold me to this listeners but about a month uh while we get this stuff set up the drawback is of course we need to make this move for multiple reasons one of them is providing bonus content and that sort of thing so um anyway so stay tuned on that but if you're wondering why june has come and gone and there's nothing up on libsyn as far as um as one listener put it a paywall for older episodes Uh, That's largely why. Uh, Also, we've actually had quite a few people become supporting members, and that's very appreciated. If we, frankly, if we get enough of that, we may have to have a behind the scenes talk and say, you know, listen, why are we going to do this at all? I think we would still do it because we want to be able to add bonus content and additional stuff. But Mm -hmm. anyway. Uh, And then I got a listener mail. Uh, We'll just call him Paul. And he had a question that comes up every once in a while. And, Phil, you've mentioned this uh, indirectly. So uh, basically, Paul says, I hope your weekend is going well. I had a question about electrolytes. I've heard that putting sea salt in your water can help. Is there any merit to this in your opinion? Uh, I try to eat relatively clean, but it seems like I probably get enough sodium from food. Any thoughts? Now, Phil, I know what you know, you're probably thinking. Yeah, that's what we were talking about um, creating sports drinks and all this stuff because mm-hmm. you have people who you feel are probably low in different electrolytes, sodium, potassium, you know, magnesium. Mm-hmm. So I think he's right in, in thinking that most of us get enough sodium from our diets. I think a lot of people don't realize, uh, but most Americans get roughly 10 times the actual requirement. Your actual requirement for sodium, if you're not exercising, can be as low as 500 milligrams a day. And that's, I mean, you know, one serving of soup will give you 1,200 Mm-hmm. So um, I do think there's been some resurgence in the literature, though, on hyponatremia, which is low sodium you know, in the blood in athletes. Mm-hmm. I used to tell people, unless you're doing ultra marathon in the heat, you don't need that stuff. you know. But uh, I think it's coming back around. I have some uh, physician friends here in the area in, in northeast Ohio, and they bring this up, you know, that maybe some extra salt uh, could be handy, either in the form of a sports drink or – I just personally take sort of a sane approach right now, but I'm not training my butt off 
for hours on end these days. I'm probably training for about 60 minutes in the gym, but I salt food to taste. Uh, as far as sea salt, there are other minerals in sea salt. It's not just sodium, uh, you know, table salt being sodium and chloride, of course. Mm-hmm. There's other minerals in there, maybe dozens of other minerals in there. Uh, and my understanding is it's a pretty sustainable uh, source of, you know, food, uh, you know, in this case, sort of a condiment. But um, there's also less additives in sea salt likely compared to regular because sometimes like everything else, the food industry will put stuff that helps it not stick together and flow freely. And, some, you know, the sea salts might be more free of that. Um, probably similar sodium content, though. I don't want anybody to think that sea salt has less sodium, but we actually want some sodium in this case, you know. Uh, and the other thing is sea salt might lack iodine. And people have looked at your containers of iodized salt. It's one of the few sources of iodine we get these days. And my understanding is that the food industry, I think it's the way that they um, process wheat, it used to use iodine as part of the process, and now it doesn't. So there's actually some concern among some experts that we're not getting enough iodine, and that's important for thyroid function, among other things. You know, a lot of listeners realize thyroid is a big driver of your metabolic rate. So um, I think sea salt, a lot of people, chefs and whatnot, they think it's better as far as flavor goes. Uh, yeah, if you wanted to do a little bit of that, you know, I could say if you're not hypertensive, go for it. But frankly, even a third to a half of people with hypertension, with high blood pressure, they're not even sodium sensitive. So you can withhold or give sodium, whatever, and it's not going to change the fact that they have high blood pressure. Anyway, uh, so that was just a uh, a listener question. Uh, <clears throat> do you have anything, Phil, before I go on? You well, know, I just wanted to mention the uh, – because we were talking premium content stuff and things like that. Um, the, the premium content episodes I've put up on Strength Guild, if anybody's interested, um, getting the word out about those. So far, we've got one with Dan John, Jim Windler, Matt Vincent, and Ed Cohn. Um, and along with the roughly an hour of audio, um, you also get a PDF download with each. Like Jim put up a, a training program that's, I think it's like 20-some weeks long. My wife's actually doing it, and it's brutal. Um, cool. Matt Vincent put up a, a uh, training program with his. Dan John put up a, how to start doing carries and throws, uh, things like that. So if anybody's interested in that, they're 99 cents a piece. Um, you get an hour's worth of content and then usually some kind of program or or something like that. So it sounds commercial, but that's a good deal for ninety nine cents. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can't bitch about ninety nine cents, even if you know we entertain you for an hour. I mean, you, it's less than a soda, you know. Yeah. So I think the uh, the trend to add PDF files. That's one of the things as we move to the the new server with Iron Radio itself. Uh, we can do. I've, I've actually played with that, and I put up a a graph. Uh, and some other things. Yeah, but a PDF can be almost anything, right? So you could put up yeah. training programs. You could put up um, uh, pictures. I could put up PowerPoint uh, slides. Uh, yeah, so attaching stuff uh, to content like that is one of the cool trends, I think, in um, in publishing these days. And actually, listeners, that's going to be our topic after I get through one more bit of news here. Uh, um, I want to talk about uh, self-publishing, you know, good and bad of publishing in the fitness industry. And this will be important, which is why uh, Rob couldn't make it this morning, but I want to try to bring him in for some separate commentary if possible later uh, because, of course, he was a journalist. He was all about publishing in the in the old way, you know. So, Okay, but this came across my desk this week. And, Phil, are you familiar with DNP, dinitrophenol? Yes. 
Yeah, uh, it was big for a while. Yeah, right. Uh, well, apparently it's back. Um, I'll refrain from my commentary until the end, uh, but I studied this pretty closely, actually, back in the 90s, actually. Um, it says, Fat Blaster Drug Can Give You Weight Loss to Die For. Uh, June 24th, 2014. This is originated from uh, LiveScience.com. And actually, even before that, originated at The Conversation. And I I believe that's an Australian uh, publication. Anyway, it says, um, let's see, as today's emergency medicine journal shows, there's been a report on a weight loss drug from the 1930s that's making a nasty comeback. An old chemical known as 2,4-dinitrophenol, or DNP, is making a comeback and will literally give you fat loss to die for. Um, this was an industrial chemical. Uh, the article doesn't mention, but I believe a lot of it was uh, it was used in dynamite manufacture. And uh, I remember reading some historical accounts of men who worked w- in these dynamite factories uh, because, you, of course, it absorbs through your skin. It's not oral or just inhaled. It'll go through your skin. Uh, and these guys were overheating and uh, dying, some of them. But it says it makes you your energy-generating organelles in your cells, your mitochondria, less efficient. You lose weight as the food you eat is turned into waste heat rather than productive work, you know, ATP and work. Um, if you raise your internal temperature high enough, however, you can get lethal hyperthermia. Uh, It says, despite being banned in numerous countries and repeated warnings from various regulatory agencies, DNP is now available for purchase on the Internet and promoted in bodybuilding circles worldwide for, quote, body sculpture, close quote. Now, this publication, I'm not sure, is purely a fitness publication, so they kind of say these people a lot, you know, these bodybuilders Mm -hmm. kind of thing, but... Um, it says the problem is we don't have really any idea exactly how many people are taking it because a lot of people who they basically endure these side effects, you know, they don't report it, uh, because they know they're taking something that's not for human use here. These study authors, they looked at the number of telephone calls into this, uh, United Kingdom poisoning center. Uh, and apparently the number of calls soared between 2012 and 2013, um, and it says that this is compatible with an increase in worldwide reported deaths from DNP uh, between t- 2001 and 2010. Apparently, there were 22 calls about DNP just in the year 2013 to this uh, British Poison Information Service. And um, again, it's especially alarming to some of the researchers because people who are calling in with this, right, most of them don't want to admit that they're using dnp you know and so this a probably much higher percentage of people are even are using it even compared to who call in it says um these people quote close quote are likely to either push through the side effects or stop using dnp when the side effects appear rather than properly reporting it to the doctor and again uh what surprised me was that this is back around like i said in the late 90s um I did some, lo- you know, looking at this because bodybuilders were using this. In fact, there are some local guys using it. One I'm thinking of in particular who's actually passed away now. Uh, the DMP didn't kill him, uh, but he was a national level competitor. And um, I remember him telling me tales of waking up with his entire pillow and all his sheets soaked with sweat. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would wake up with it like, it was, like he just jumped out of the pool. And that's the risk, you know, that high, you could call it fever if you want or you know, the panting, the super high body heat, and obviously that that can kill you just like you hear about football players exercising in August out in their pads and 
this and that, but this is a chemical way to do this. And um, I don't know. Phil, what do you remember about the NP? I just remember, yeah, a, a lot of what you're saying. Um, and then, I think it was also a bug killer for a while. They use it in industrial grade freaking oh, <laughs> bug killer. But um, yeah, just people using it to, you know, lose dramatic amounts of weight in, in a short period of time and talking about how, you know, it raises your metabolic rate very high and, you know, makes you hot and sweat and everything else. And just to be, to be very careful because you can overdo that as well because it's not only a. Uh, from what I remember, it accumulates in the body over time. So people will start and they're like, I don't feel anything. And then five days later, then they've overdone it oh, uh, yeah. type of thing. <laughs> but. Yeah, I don't know anything about the pharmacokinetics, how quickly it moves through. I, I do know that it's um, – the way I sort of interpret it is it almost dissolves your tissues. you yeah. know. And I think the guys probably lost a fair bit of muscle when they were doing that too. I don't think it's going to be fat-specific would be the problem. And it's super toxic kind of stuff and – I don't know. I, obviously, it's intriguing to a lot of physique competitors because it melts mm-hmm. body fat like crazy. What it actually is, and I, maybe I'll even put a PowerPoint um, little PDF file up with this as extra content once we get the Libsyn server stuff working properly. But um, it uncouples a process called oxfos, oxidative phosphorylation in your little furnaces. Is It's the transfer. You know, They pump hydrogen ions back and forth, and you end up making ATP in the process. And what it does is... It just lets things flow back and forth without going through the little molecular turbine that makes ATP, for lack of a better way to say this. And the heat production is uncontrolled. You know, it's just outrageous. Mm-hmm. And I'm not surprised, you know, some of the stuff that I've, I've heard about this. So anyway, yeah, 2,4-dinitrophenol. I was stunned when I saw that. I'm like, really? Because I saw a thing about this fat blaster drug, and I'm like, oh, what are we doing now? Now, the difference is there's two things you always think about with uh, these sorts of uh, interventions. One is safety and the other is efficacy. Well, here we've got clear efficacy, I mean, from a fat loss perspective, but the safety side is you you could potentially lose lots of muscle mass or worse, just kill yourself because you become, you know, you cook yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Freakish. Okay. Uh, Looking up here, it says the half-life is 36 hours. Oh, okay. So, mm-hmm. And that's that would stand to reason for the, you know, if you're taking it daily, then of course it's going to stack on top of itself, but... Right. And, you know, that makes sense what you said. I think a lot of guys who might use caffeine and ephedrine, hydrochloride, and a lot of the Mm -hmm. current stimulants, they hit you within an hour. And if these guys are like, no, I didn't get anything out of that. So they're swabbing it all up and down their arms and legs, (laughs) you know, and then you can't get, like you said, you can't get it out of your system because it's transdermal, a lot of this stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know if they're swallowing it nowadays or not, but you don't have to, I know. Um, Yeah. Scary. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, let's go to a early break. I think it's a little early. Uh, and we're going to talk about publishing, uh, self-publishing versus traditional methods. And Phil and I will shoot the shit about this a little bit. And then maybe we'll bring Rob in like, for an addition at the end of the show. Um, obviously, as people who publish a reasonably popular podcast, you know, we have some thoughts on this. So I'm going to fire some questions at Phil. We'll see yeah. what you think. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, If you simply Google CRC Press in protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, 
and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for sixty nine U.S. dollars. So that's thirty one percent off the ninety nine ninety five uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. Sixty nine dollars. I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it uh, lower down the page. They have one hundred and eighty day rentals and one year rentals, so you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So – Uh, Whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right. Welcome, everybody. We are back. It's Phil and Lonnie, and we're talking uh, today about self-publishing in the fitness uh, and sports nutrition industry. So let's start with a a straightforward question for you, Phil, because you've published articles in paper mags. You know, you've made quite of a move toward your own stuff, you know, and self-publishing a lot of things as well. Um, Self-publishing... I'd say, let's just say, you know, in especially in the last 10 years in the electronic frontier uh, in the fitness world, good or bad? Oh, that's tough. <laughs> that's, that's tough to categorize it. I mean, I think both. Um, the good thing about it is it's, it's, it's easy to get a voice out there now, uh, much easier than prior. Um, the bad thing is it's good to get a voice out there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. there, there's a lot of voices that shouldn't be out there is the problem. Um, so it's kind of, you know, a double-edged sword, um, is what I'd say. I mean, I I think you're, you're seeing more, more and more people lean towards self-publishing because of the change in the, the paper mag industry and stuff. Um, they used to pay well and now they don't pay shit. So people are like, well, screw it. I'll just do it on my own side. You know, so why, why do it there and lead them traffic when I can do it at my own place and lead traffic to myself? Um, I think it's why you're seeing more and more self-publishing. Um, yeah, the old model well, first of all, do you remember Fred Hatfield actually said something along those same lines? And we're like, amen, brother, because mm-hmm. he said around 2000, 2002, yeah, you can make $1,000, frankly, to yeah. write an article for one of these online mags. Or yeah. if you wrote a paper mag, they'd at least write you a check for $500 or something. Yeah. And now I think the way he put it was was great is you get what you pay for. 
Yeah. And people, they don't want to pay. So what you end up in, at least for my opinion, is a lot of the websites who used to see more evidence-based stuff written by experienced athletes, coaches, and, and mm-hmm. PhDs and stuff, you get a lot more opinion pieces now that are presented as fact. Yeah. And that's disturbing. Like you said, that could be where some of that goes bad. I think on the flip side, though, in the old school method, there were gatekeepers. You know, yeah. So the editors would select what they like and what they don't like. On one side, that improved the quality. Like mm-hmm. if some of these kids that are on YouTube these days, and I sound like an old fart, I'm sorry for that, but if they get on there and they try to scribble something down, some opinion piece, the editor's going to be like, I don't know what this is you know, yeah. or who you are, but no. You know, yeah. And it would never see the light of day. The flip side, though, would be that what are the criteria that those editors are using? They could be mm-hmm. very commercially biased. You know what I mean? They're not just yes. quality gatekeepers, but they could be like, well, we're only taking people who are really willing to sell out and hawk our stuff for us. Yeah. You know? I mean, I had one example of that was, I, I won't say the magazine's name, but they had me submit a piece, and then they came back to me as like, this is, they were, you need to dumb this down because it's way too above our readers. And I was like, come on, man, bring yourself up a little bit, you know, because I was going into, you know, physics and lever arms and this and that, and they're like, you know, our, our people just want you to tell them three sets of ten. And I was like, well, sorry, I'm not going to tell them that, you know. <laughs> right. So, and the, yeah, that's the bad side of it is, you know, you don't know. You, you saw a lot of that, you know. They wanted okay, put it, put some muscle tech things in there and dumb it down for me, and we'll put it up. And it's like, no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. I'll just put it on my own site. Well, I know Fortress got to the point, so. and, and I know you can identify too. All three of us can. Is that after doing this for a while, you're like, please God, I cannot write another six weeks to bigger guns article, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. because it, usually the hyperbole you got to spew is not accurate. You know, smack two inches on your guns in three weeks wrong wrong you know first of all biologically that's not real Mm. you know secondly yeah they want the same drivel you know it's almost like just a cookie cutter just rearrange like you said the three sets of 10 or something or whatever wacky training progression model that you've invented yeah you know but so yeah that was the old system um the thing is though you could end up because there was money involved you could end up getting a qualified people to do some of the writing and it, it wasn't as bad as long as you could get people like i'll give you an example uh very late 90s early 2000s somebody might say well lonnie you're mentioning whey protein repeatedly uh could we put in parentheses like our whey protein you know with a little registration mark or trademark mm-hmm. sure if you say like your protein and this and that but i was very reticent to actually endorse anything because yeah. if it comes too commercial smart people stop looking yeah you know I mean, I think that's a, the lesson Rob and I could not make them understand is if you get too commercial, readers stop looking. Yeah. Because you or I, we're smart enough, right? That just sends off like your critical thinking alarm and you're like, screw this. It's an ad. Yeah, exactly. It's an ad. It's the advertorials, you know, and that was the. Yes. It, it went that way. You know, it was like everything was an advertorial. Was, ugh, but Purpose, <laughs> Purposely presented in a textual format, a graphical format, so you couldn't tell if it was an article or not unless you looked somewhere, you know, like fine print yeah. at the bottom. Yeah, advertorials. And, you know, it was the, the same problem with the whole, uh, I don't know, there was the change to this from the paying quality people to do it to this, um, we're going to do you a favor and publish something for you. 
you know, type of thing. And that you saw that coming from a lot of these sites and stuff where it's like you should feel like they're doing you a favor. They're putting your name out there for you. It's like, come on, man. I'm, you know, basically you're using my shit to hawk your products. So Right. And, you know, it you could, know. to be fair, I mean, to be positive, I guess, you could say it could have been mutually beneficial. I mean, I saw a lot oh, of strength of coaches are like, oh, yeah, I'd love, you know. I'd love to get my work, my voice out there, my my new book, my training services to 30,000 people, you know, yeah. by writing an article. But I know what you're saying. It became almost people falling over each other to supply content. And their real pay was not money anymore. It was the promise of fame, kind of, or uh, marketing so they could sell their whatever. Well, and the problem you saw was at that time is when we saw the – at, at these certain sites or magazines or whatnot, you saw it go from very credible people. You know, many of these places used to have like a a, a very core group of very qualified, smart right. people yep. writing for them. And all of a sudden it was like, who the hell is this? You know? Yeah. It, yeah. You start getting these kids that, you know, have been doing it for a year um, with these articles up. And it was like, come on, man. The, 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 the quality of content drastically fell. Yeah. I, uh, I've o- heard that many overnight. times. Yes. So yeah, I I hear that a lot. One of the things I lament though about the old system um, fading a little bit is I'm afraid magazines are going to go away. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe with tablets and everything else. I mean, I actually tend to use my tablet to read mags, and uh, even when we're doing the show, sometimes I'll read the news off of it because I got it sitting here. Um, so maybe it's just a different format. You know, in the old days though, when things were just electronic and there was no paper or print version. Not just scientists. I think a lot of us we tended to look at that stuff as illegitimate. You know, that, oh, that's yeah. just online crap. Yeah. You know, uh, but I am sad that the paper magazines are gone because if something's electronic, you've got to remember to go pull it. You know, to me, that's pull content. Unless it's yeah. you're part of an email newsletter, yeah. you, you got to think. I want to go look at that Iron Radio page or that Strength Guild blog or you know what I mean. And mm. if there's a paper magazine on your end table. You plop down, you're like, oh, yeah, I think I'll leaf through this. It's like yeah. a visual reminder, it, yeah. you know, and I love the paper magazines. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, I agree, but I still like books. You know? Right. <laughs> so. No, that's right. <clears throat> but. Okay, how about this one for you? Um, with the trend towards self-publishing being electronic, you get listener feedback right after the article, you know, mm-hmm. in a forum or whatever. What are your thoughts about that? Like, obviously, if you were to write something for a magazine, and I know all three of us have done our share of this, you know, people read it, and they can have their thoughts, and then, you know, they don't have any out outlet to share their thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, if they were an idiot, and they walk away upset, whatever, <laughs> you know, yeah. or if they're, yeah. maybe they're a smart guy, they walk away upset from a dumb article and flip it around. Yeah. But what do you think about the ability to give immediate feedback after the articles? In a lot of ways, I think it's become the main point of the article. No, I, yeah, I think so too. And I mean, there are sites out there that the whole purpose of the articles is to raise, they, they want a reaction. It's very reactionary pieces. And that's what they're looking for. The, the, um, I think the problem with it is 90% of the time, the people that are replying are just assets. <laughs> it's the problem. I mean, most of the people that you would want to reply just don't. You know, it's the educated people, and they're like, ah, it's not worth their time. You know, they read it, and they move on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Phil, I think some of the the fitness side, at least. Now, on YouTube, it's like unfettered 
foolishness. You know yes. what I mean? It's just an ocean of retardation, yes. you know, in these comments. I mean, misspelled nonsense, gut reactions. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you're not getting thoughtful, educated people saying, mm-hmm. well, have you considered this? Or, you know, there's no civility. I, I knew an old professor, sort of a mentor of mine, he used to call it academic civility. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you should be civil to someone else, even if you vehemently disagree. Yes. You know, and there's none of that. But you know what? I think the ant, the fitness guys, and I know you know this because you've mm-hmm. been paid to do some of this, mm-hmm. or at least asked to do it. I don't know how much. You know, everybody's got their own ethics uh, about this. But then, if the purpose becomes the responses and not the piece itself, then they have uh, anonymous um, moderators steer mm-hmm. the conversation. Oh yeah. You know, more than you would think they do. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, it's like the it's it's like the big brother conspiracy times 10 as, as much as moderation goes on there. And, you know, like I, we've seen it from the inside. Um, sadly, writers who have like 10 alter egos that come in and <laughs> I, I would laugh because I knew who they were and they never fail. They would put up an article and their one of their alter egos would be one of the first people to reply. Like stroking their own egos by themselves, and it's oh, like, come man. on, man, this is this is horrible, embarrassing, and yeah, and and or purposely coming on and starting a fight, you know, on there, and then they they'd have two of their alter egos like arguing with each other, and then the one that was on the side of the article would win out, and it's like, come on, uh, yeah, I don't know, it's you're seeing a move towards what I'm seeing at least is a move like I know people like Wendler and stuff like that, they just don't even go on anymore. Um, they, they put up an article and they don't go look at the comments and you're seeing a move towards a more of a pay format for that. Like, okay, you want to answer my article, you're going to pay five bucks or whatever. And it's, it sounds, uh, greedy, but at the same time, it filters out the bullshit. It really does. Um, like my, my site's the same way. It's $5 to, to join. And I literally have zero spammers, you know? Yeah. And, uh, well, like you said, even that little—it's not even a paywall. That the pay bump is enough yes. to keep out like uh, the trolls. You know, it keeps out the fourteen-year-old kid that just wants to be an internet warrior. And I'm not saying that there is no, you know, discussion and that there's no, you know, I do. It, it's not a an avenue just looking for fanboys. Like I'm, you know, the oh right, Jim, right. Jim and Kel. They're not just looking for people. That, oh, I just want the people that agree with me. No, they just want freaking honest and intelligent responses. Right. You know, if you're going to argue, do it intelligently. Don't say you suck. Do you even lift, bro? You know, I mean, that doesn't right. do anybody any good. Right. Which is different so, from. I think I'm I'm a little too ectomorphic for that. I couldn't do that for the full twelve weeks. I could only do yeah. that for eight, and I had to it, take a break. You know. Exactly. And then it, it sparks. Uh, you're seeing a move towards that, and it actually sparks intelligent conversation. I know Kelly Starrett, He just started up his, and I think it's like six, seven bucks a month. So it's right in line with mine. Mm-hmm. And. But it, it just it filters out the crap. That's a really good you know? idea, and it's an easy fix. <sighs> and you're right; yeah. it sounds commercial, but it serves a purpose. It does. It does. It really just it. Most of the people putting up ignorant comments are just doing it to do that. That's really their purpose in life on the internet. And that that small fee filters them out. They just won't pay it. Well, like you said too, you know? the, I like your phrase "internet warrior" because the reason they can become yeah. an internet warrior quote unquote is because it's anonymous. Yes. You know, you can be exactly. that ass hat because you're 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 your <laughs> bicep sixteen ninety one. You know what yes, I mean? And nobody exactly. knows who you are. So there's no responsibility. There's no accountability. 
Yes, you know. exactly. And that's that's another reason why I hate all that. Like, anytime I sign up for any site or anything, I do it under my own name. It's like, if you don't have the, the gumption to, to do it under your own name, you don't need to post. You know? Yeah. Because yep. <laughs> I'm going to stand behind what I say. It's like, yeah, okay, that was me. You right. Yeah. Sure. So, and if I screwed up and I said something stupid 10 years ago, which I'm sure I did, yeah, that was 10 years ago. Sorry. I messed up. You know, you I know? was thinking about that too. Everybody evolves because <laughs> I, I just talked to a guy recently that I'm going to, hopefully do some projects with and he's um he's like well god you're ubiquitous you're all over the web and this and that and you know what honestly sometimes it does come back to annoy me a little like mm-hmm. some of my students they see old pictures when i used to compete and ooh, tee hee hee dr lowry in his underwear on stage you know what kind yeah. of thing it's like yeah you know well i suppose you're right in some cases the passions of youth become the regrets of maturity but i'm not embarrassed about those things you know yeah. what i mean that's some that's one of the reasons i got my degrees and the reason i'm in front of those kids you know? yeah exactly uh, but like you said or if you say something uh if you had some theories that you were sharing back then yeah sometimes you're wrong i mean the yeah. whole idea a rational person will change his or her conclusions when there's new evidence yeah you know and if you didn't have the evidence back then you're making the best guess you could yeah anyway <clears throat> yeah so there's that anonymity thing too but um, what about podcasts? So a lot of stuff, I don't know. Do you think YouTube videos are bigger than podcasts? Uh, or are podcasts sort of the new, are they the new radio? I don't know. What do you think about some of this? Yeah, no, I think, I think personally, and it's not just because I do podcast, but I think it's, it's a little more legitimate than YouTube. YouTube is really easy to just bump through, and it's generally not an hour long. You have to dedicate yourself to the podcast and sit down and actually listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's generally a, a more intelligent listener um, that sits down to a podcast, at least the ones I've met, and I've met a ton. Um, whereas, like yeah. you said, on the YouTube comment section, I mean, that itself can tell you that <laughs> the, <laughs> right. the intellectual uh, level of the average YouTube watcher is is pretty low. And I, <laughs> I, I, I honestly should do more YouTube, but... God, you know, I don't want to. that's funny. I mean, uh, on our listener page, the Iron Radio page, I made a thing about I just because uh, YouTube, you know, they change their format. They frankly, they piss a lot of people off when they do that. <sighs> and I had to fix a little bit of the graphics and stuff. And yeah. I don't put a lot of stuff on there. Mostly it's just like uh, there's so many of these social media sites in uh, YouTube, if you include that. Uh, where I just want to point them back to Iron Radio. You know, if yeah. you guys, because you're right, I think you have to have a level of maturity and patience mm-hmm. to sit through a podcast. But I also have yes. some hard data from marketing firms that listeners of podcasts, they tend to be more loyal, mm-hmm. you know, and thoughtful, not just to the producers of the show, but to each other. You know, mm-hmm. and like you said, there's no investment on on YouTube. You flick around, you swear a little, you move on, you yeah. know, and. So, uh, and you know what, too? A lot of people, I've actually had some internet-related people who I know are very smart at marketing. They, in the early days when Rob and I were doing experiments versus experience, you know, Mm -hmm. before podcasting was even a word, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, they were saying stuff like, well, the future is video. And I'm like, well, it may be, but you can't listen to that on your way to work, you know, in the car or when, or on your way to the gym if you want to get in the mood. So I've been this very stick-in-the-mud uh, proponent of audio and i know you are too now and you know what else yeah. too it allows guys like you or i uh if, if the money is so poor you know to write articles and it, it takes you let's even let's say even a qualified person let's say it takes you two afternoons you know an hour or two two afternoons to put something together and especially when i write stuff i reference the the bejesus out of it you know and mm-hmm. that takes as long as the writing itself yeah um but this way we can do it um there's no 
print run. You don't have to pay for a 30,000 print run, you know, and mm-hmm. you can do it fairly quickly. And then I can edit everything you and I say. I mean, mostly just for us and ums and all that sort of thing. Um, and get it out next day. You know, so yeah. the whole process is way faster than writing. And mm-hmm. people still get the some quality information that way. Well, you know? and it's a lot more animated, too. I mean, I think that's one of the big deals. I mean, like, you know, I don't know. I mean, a good example is, is Jim Wendler. He's a hell of a writer. I mean, that's what he went to school for. And but oh, at the same time, that. he's even more enjoyable to listen to because he's just an animated dude. Did Jim get a, <laughs> Did he get an English degree? Or? Yeah, I think it, it's English and something else. Creative writing. I, I think, did not I think know that. A, yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Right that's on. What it was. Oh, good. <clears throat> well, because you know what I've often said, and this is maybe we can start to wind down with this, but. One of my critiques of the bodybuilding and strength and fitness world has long been that the writers aren't real writers. You know, mm-hmm. the um, experts aren't real experts. The scientists aren't real scientists. Everybody's sort of uh, posing, uh, mm-hmm. and they're not real. You know, they didn't go to school for it. They didn't spend years in the gym for it. They didn't – they're not real. The businessmen aren't real businessmen. They're all excited amateurs in what they propose to be, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's refreshing to hear that, you know, Jim's actually, you know, trained in, in some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, that's but I mean, the, the, the point is, I mean, a lot of these people, uh, they're just enjoyable to listen to. And you can catch the passion more, you know, yeah, <laughs> for, for what they're talking about. And it's like you said, it's easy to put it out there. And I don't know. I mean, I guess like I've talked about doing more YouTube stuff, but I mean, I know. Most of the people I talk to have just they just shut down their comments now, and because it's just worthless. Having oh, comments good point, up. Phil. I'll tell you on the uh, um, if I ever get all our, some of the Iron Radio stuff over to the Libsyn server, it always asks me, "Do you, would you like to enable comments?" No, yeah, no, I don't. You know, because yeah. it, it's not worth it. It's not because then you got to moderate them. You never mm-hmm. know if there's going to troll come in here, and at the same time, you don't want to be like like you said, one of these silent. Uh, anonymous moderators trying to steer the conversation to uh, prove a point or sell a product. Yeah, so. exactly. Because, I mean, I, I would honestly, I'd prefer to have a good discussion. I'd prefer to have people come in and disagree with me. Okay, now let's yes. talk about it. Let me tell you why you're wrong. But the bad thing is that doesn't happen. 99% of the time, it's just some kid that's trying to get a reaction. And, the, you know, the, 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 the disagreement is not in, intelligent. It's just, you know, it's just it's a waste of time. Pers- I mean, yeah, so, well, but, so, I don't know. I mean, that's like, um, you know, I had a YouTube video I put up once, and the first comment comes on there is like, yo, you don't even know how to deadlift. Here's how you should do it, <laughs> and you need to go look at Windler, Jim Windler's videos, and he sends me a link to Windler's, and literally me and Jim are both in the background talking to each other laughing about it. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, nice. so it's like, come on, man. I mean, nice. Whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think video has a place. I mean, like, what I need to use it for more is people like seeing that stuff. People like seeing training videos and things like that. And I, I think you turn the comments off. I don't know. I mean, I think it's more of just I see the YouTube thing more as an advertisement than I do um, something like this, which is actual well-thought-out content. Right. And I tell you, the draw for me, and I know you you and Robert like this a lot too, is one of the things about Iron Radio is it's a way for us to keep um, involved in the fitness industry, but we can sort of do it in our own way. If we want to do this with higher-level quality programming and that sort of thing, and not to toot our own horn here, but 
it's a lot better than for me, for example, just having a website. Oh, here's Lonnie Lowry website. Contact me if you want. You know what I mean? This way, yeah. you're actually providing something yeah. uh, that's of worth, I guess, and it's not just about yourself. And I think that's what's funny about social media is I don't think there's anything really too social about it. It's more people are so um, self-absorbed mm-hmm. that they're not really looking intensely or appreciating other people's stuff so much. You know what I mean? There are a lot of people in the fitness world. They're just putting their pictures and their attitudes out there. Mm-hmm. And it's not even that interactive, you know, so the yeah. word social media isn't even that accurate. It's like the people who walk around at the Arnold Fitness Weekend with fi- dioderm on and jugs of distilled water. They're not even competing. Yeah. And yeah. they're so busy looking at themselves and thinking about them, their own appearance. Everybody's doing that. So nobody's looking at each other. Mm-hmm. And the social part of it's actually gone because everybody's so self-absorbed. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I, But, I mean, at the, at, the, at the flip, to get back to, you know, the – the basic comment or the topic of I think the biggest benefit about how easy it is to self-publish now is just that um, it allows us to put out content that we want to put out. Um, you know, we couldn't have done this before, you know? Right. Um, and I think you're seeing that with, with other writers. I mean, now people like uh, the people that used to write for other publications now are are able to do it themselves, and they're able to put out the content that they really wanted to in the first place, and it not be edited um, into an advertorial. Right. You know, so it's easier to get that real voice out there because it's like, screw it, I'm going to put up what I want. Yeah. And if you don't like it, you know, I don't care. You right. know, I'm just going to finally put it out there, and you know, so you're seeing a lot of the ability to put out what you want is much easier um, than it was prior. You, you know, don't so- have to go through that process, and that again is good and bad because you're seeing, you know. People that shouldn't be publishing stuff put put it out there too, just as easy. You're right. But. It does give some of the people a voice because, like you and I, can do this because we're like, well, this is this is what who we are. This is what we we we're doing. You know. Yeah. And uh, case in point, there's an article uh, I sent out to one um, fitness publication this year, and because I didn't mention their specific products, I was mentioning actually I used Via Instant Coffee by name because it was about some of the research that I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a couple of other energy drinks and this sort of thing. My concern was they're not going to run this just because yeah. I'm talking about other things by name, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, the good news, though, is that I could put that up as bonus content. On I, yes. I can send it to you or somebody I trust or put it on exactly. as, a, as a PDF, you know, a, attached to one of our <laughs> shows. Yeah, and still get it out there. And it, it's completely non-commercial, you mm-hmm. know. So, uh, in fact, yep. one last thing before we let everybody go, because I want to create a little bit of room here for uh, if we can get a hold of Rob. But uh, with all the talk about paper magazines being more rare, uh, I did just do a little interview with Strong Fitness Mag. If we have some female competitors, you might want to check them out. They're on Twitter and whatnot. Strong Fit Mag. Uh, uh, Kirsten Brown, and there were some people there that were very cool. So uh, I just feel like I should give them a shout out, the Strong Fitness Mag folks. They. They, they look like they want to do it right. I mean, they're literally talking about some biochemistry and stuff and how things work and, you know, pretty cool stuff. So Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think that's it for you and I this week, brother, unless you got anything else. Okay. okay. No, I think that's it, man. That's I think it'll be a good one. And then you catch up with Rob and we'll go from there. So. Okay. Uh, happy Independence Day for all of our American listeners. So Right on. That's, uh, everybody have a good weekend.
Okay, so we've got Fortress by phone, everyone, and we're going to ask him a couple of questions about um, traditional publishing versus self-publishing. It seems like everybody's doing now with ebooks and uh, and podcasts and blogs and YouTube and everything else. So, uh, Rob, my first question to Phil was, is it a good thing or a bad thing that fitness enthusiasts or people in fitness in general can self-publish? Um, from a, I would say from the standpoint of a fan of the iron sports, it's a good thing. Um, certainly about, you know, uh, pushing away the bull crap that exists <clears throat> in the industry. Um, but I would think over the years that I've had to ponder this whole kind of thing, because it's been, you know, becoming more and more of an issue, certainly, you know, in my career and how I've had to switch careers, I would think overall, I've come to the realization that it does more harm than good in that it perpetuates false information and creates a very um, critical and um, jaded view of the whole thing. And I think I think it does a lot of deteriorating damage to the sports. Okay. Mm-hmm. So are you saying, I guess, that because you were an editor for all those years for a bodybuilding magazine, um, that we need editors as gatekeepers. Like, wow, that was crap you just submitted, buddy. I'm not running that. You know that sort of thing. Do we need gatekeepers like that? Well, I think not. Not so much that, but I think in yeah. I mean, you call them gatekeepers, but yeah. So somebody to kind of take away the crap from the good. But I mean. And to present it to the people who don't know, who don't have their own filters developed yet. You know, and that's the problem, is that so many people out there don't have their filters developed yet because they just don't have experience and knowledge base yet. You know, and then, like I say, it perpetuates a lot of this, the misinformation that's spread. And there's nobody there to kind of guide them that gives a crap. And... I suppose you can kind of, on a bigger scale, you can look at this, you know, as far as like countries' governments and so forth, right? You need somebody who's not corrupt, and it, it seems like these days everybody's corrupt. But you know, it's you know, there are some people there who actually do care. Um, and like I say, it's just there's so much misinformation out there, and it's just because we live in an age where there's just an endless slew of information. I mean, as human beings, we're bombarded with just a limitless amount of information. And I think, you know, ultimately I think that's bad. You know, I mean, you have a lot of these bodybuilding sites and so forth that people go on to and they don't even work out. So um, I, I think that social media and everything has kind of pushed aside people from actually participating and then moving on to just feeling like they're participating because they're engaging in the social media of it. Yeah, it's a good point. If, if, that, if that kind of makes sense. No, it does. I, I, know, I know that's not exactly to the point of what you're asking, but I think, you know, in, in a kind of a way, I think it swings the whole concept back around to what we are talking about, whether this is good or not. And I see, the see, you can't, in 2014 to me, I, I don't think you can talk about this, you know, what we're talking about now without tying it together with, you know, what has become social media. Right. Because that has become everything, you know, so... I mean, you look at 
this traditional muscle magazines, um, you know, I mean, Muscle Mag International, which has now been sold and bought and, you know, kept alive. Um, I don't think that's a good idea because I've seen the last few, you know, I was going to say episodes. So I've seen the, the last few copies on the store shelves. And quite frankly, it's, it's a lap, it, it's a joke. And I, I know for a fact that it, it's not worthy of having Robert Kennedy's name on it. Flex magazine is suffering badly. I mean, all these magazines are suffering really badly. And, and quite honestly, they're going in the way the dodo, dodo birds, like, Nobody buys them anymore. The only right. people buy them are old bastards like you and me, but <laughs> right. even, guys, even guys like you and me aren't really buying them anymore. So, um, no. so that leaves it up to, you know, the, the internet and the internet right. and social media and everything is so fast, 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 fast that it's, you know, and it's, it's engaging a lot of these people directly, you know, top of the, you know, professional bodybuilders and so forth. And everybody has gotten so critical you know, people say, you know, haters going to hate and all that kind of thing. But it really has bred a generation of people who are overly critical haters. They don't know what they're talking about. They get themselves into trouble with things because, because they don't understand the ramifications because they've been listening to, you know, this guy, this guy, this guy. I mean, case in point, and I'll use the name. There's a guy on the net named Boston Lloyd. And I don't know if you've heard about this guy. I have. But he's a young guy in his 20s who pretty much advocates drug regimes that by any money, any reasonable, rational person's, you know, mind is just absurd. I mean, there was a, a, just a video posted where some guy was asking him, some other young guy was asking him what he would have him do drug wise if he wanted to put some size on. And he was not only talking about gramming it like, you know, seven, eight, nine grams of stuff, you know, of actual testosterone, but he was also talking about, you know, and I would do synthol for this, and I would do that. It was, it was, it's just complete madness. And you've got these kind of guys who are front and center now for young people. Like, these are the guys that are now they're listening to. So although... People, you know, some of the, us old bastards might complain about some of the old, you know, Flex Muscle Fitness and those kind of magazines and how a lot of that information was maybe watered down or, you know, not fully, fully telling the truth about what was going on. Right. Instead, in its place, now we got Boston Lloyd. And you got all these kids <laughs> right. that are listening to him. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you know, trash all you want on guys like Bob Kenny or Joe Weider or, you know, all those guys. But... So in their place, we've got guys like Boston Lloyd, like, I don't know. And he's one of many, by the way. That's not it. I mean, and these guys are pathetic. <clears throat> so. Yeah, one of my students, actually, uh, we watched the Boston Lloyd video, one of them. And I thought it was fairly insightful, you know, for an undergraduate, because they get a pretty sanitized view of anabolics and that sort of thing. And she said, so... It looks like he's trying to tell people how to properly abuse drugs. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, oh, you don't use them like that. That's You're not going to look good. You use them like this. You know, and she said, what a bizarre, like, uh, two sides of a coin. On one side, he's trying to keep people from uh, abusing wrong. But in the end, he's instructing people on how to abuse, quote, unquote, properly. You know, and it's just a very bizarre scenario as far as someone who's a an authority, uh, you know, again, quote, unquote, authority uh, presenting this information. So let me ask you this. When you were an editor at Muscle Mag, uh, because I know there were many times, I remember you lamenting, or at, even at, you know, when we were at peak, 
magazine for that short period. If an athlete who is an authority figure because he won something, and that's a debatable issue in itself, sent you something that was garbage, you just rewrote it, right? I mean, you just go, ghost wrote the whole thing, did you not? Um, I ghost wrote a lot of pieces, yeah. And, and I mean, let's be realistic. Most people are not really good writers. Certainly not good enough to just take a piece of it. I mean, it's very rare that I ever got a piece that pretty much could just go as is. And again, that's not trashing on people because people are trained for different things. Yeah. Um, the point being is I kept alive the spirit of what was being said. I always made sure to have integrity in my editing and that I wouldn't change what was being said. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I rewrote a lot of um, things that people put in for sure. It just... Again, when I read the comments and I go on um, YouTube and all these things, and like I say, as a fan, I love YouTube. But people, it's just, and we've talked about this so many times, it's given people a voice who really should just not use their voice. You don't talk about things you don't know, you don't understand. And when you, and I'm not suggesting that there's anybody that knows everything, but we all know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what you're talking about, don't comment on it and don't, it, it, it just, cause like I say, it just, it's amazing. And I've seen it and I've actually made note of it over the last several years, how much misinformation that is constantly repeated has now become spoken about as if that is how it is. Yeah. Fact. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, again, just to use this Boston guy as an example, I mean, and I don't know how true this is because it's not like I follow this guy closely. But, I mean, I've heard a lot of people talk about this guy as having said that he's used upwards of, you know, 10, what, you know, 8, 10, 12 grams a week of drugs. I mean, what has this guy achieved? You and I, Lonnie, 10, 15 years ago, used to marvel at the concept of a guy using one or two grams a week. Sure, yeah. You know, and, and now you've got guys who... Basically, this guy almost lost his arm a year or two ago with some sort of abscess on his arm or something. I don't know. You know, he hasn't won anything. As far as I'm concerned, he doesn't look that special. And you have all these young guys following him like he is the authority. And anyway, so I, I don't know what the, I don't know where it's all going to end. And like I say, I, I'm still kind of torn on. Plus or minus, I know I was saying that I kind of leaned out towards the deterioration and the, the kind of negative of all this, but, um, and I know what, you know, it's a, it's a brave new world, I suppose, and I, in a way, you know, guys like you or Amir that, you know, represent the old school still, but we're still young enough to know what's going on. So, I don't know. I'd be interested to know what young people, you know, some of our young listeners think of this whole thing, and, and I know it's hard for them to relate as well because they're coming from a place where they don't know they've never known anything else well that's just it rob i mean i think from my perspective one of my concerns is that at least we were exposed to professionalism you know like rob is trained in journalism you know and editing and so what's presented is professional with all that entails you know the quality of the writing the grammar the spelling but also the factual information you know and if somebody was trying to say something wrong you you might fact check or go back and talk to the guy or do whatever you had to do. but And that's what you're saying. I'm afraid that there's in the social media, if we include YouTube uh, with that, 
in the social media generation, what you end up with is people who are never exposed to, you know, formal training in things like English or writing or those sorts of things. Uh, so they don't really have a handle on what's professional. You know, the the F-bombs and the profanity and the racial slurs and all the crap on YouTube is par for the course for these guys. And you and I, we grew up reading stuff that wasn't like that. Sure, you might argue that they were trying to sell a weeder product in a weeder magazine, you know, and that really hasn't changed. But you know what I mean? At least the the articles themselves were presented in a in a professional way. And plus, there's no, plus there's no ramifications for people anymore. You know, like you had to – anybody – it's just instant today. You know, unless, and unless you're doing something completely, completely off the scales, you can pretty much get away with saying whatever you want and just put it on the guys that that's my opinion or that's – you know, that was just a flippant remark. But like you say, in the magazine world, you know, you would have to kind of, you would – first of all, you would have at least time to ponder what it is that you're trying to present. Mm-hmm. You know, so you could think about it, think about the ramifications of what you're saying, because, you know, um, you know, it, it, anything from a, few, from a few days to, a, you know, several weeks, you could actually think about what it is that you're presenting. Whereas today, people are just like they shoot from the hip. And as I said at the beginning of this whole thing, that can be good, but it can also be very bad, you know, because people are just shooting from the hip and they, do, and, you know, from a base of no, no authority. And there's no ramifications. So <laughs> you kind of see where I'm going with this. Especially so. with the all the anonymity. Phil and I were talking about this. You know, when, when you don't even use your real name and, you know, your uh, uh, Johnny Huge Delts 241, you know, you, there's no accountability because you don't even use your real name. So you can make asinine comments or off-the-cuff things that, like you said you don't think about. I like what you said. The time frame in traditional publishing is slower and that's good. You know, even if it takes you a couple of days, just a few short days to write an article, you have to compose it, you know, and think about what you're saying as opposed to just rattle things off on a YouTube video, you know, or a podcast or, or whatever, uh, you know, and that sort of thing. Let me ask you one last thing because we're almost out of time with this little segment here. But what about the qualified people? Can self-publishing, whether it's an ebook, like Phil was mentioning earlier that um, – Jim Wendler has a degree in creative writing. Well, I didn't know that, or English or something like that. Well, good on him, you know. But So what about the people who are trained? Um, does this make the information more accessible? Could that be a bright spot in all this? Because there are actually some qualified people doing e-books and podcasts and, and whatnot. Yeah, but again, I'm just saying there's so much information that then it becomes a situation where the people who are qualified in whatever – way that they're qualified and you know we all can't be experts in everything but we all have our little niche then you're constantly competing with all the you know it it seems to be a losing battle where you're always you know trying to present good information but you're being constantly smothered by you know um you know an inordinate and you know unequal amount of crap so you're always kind of competing with that yeah Um, i see what you're saying but, you know, I also want to make put the point, you know, to our listeners that I'm not sitting here and suggesting that there's only a few people that should have a voice because then you're kind of, you know, saying, well, this is, you know, you're kind of giving this impression that it's a dictatorship and, you know, like. That's a good only, point. 
me and a few other people should should have a say on what you know it's actually good to have the opinions of lots of people lots of things can be discovered and advanced very quickly with the way things are now so i, I suppose like even now in, you know in retrospect of the last 15 minutes of discussing these things i guess i've changed my own opinion to be a little bit more balanced than it was 15 minutes ago in that you know there's the pluses and there's, there's minuses but time will tell Time will tell, and I think I think we're at a really interesting crossroads as a species right now with our technology, and you know where it's going to lead us. Um, I like what you're saying of, about you don't you can't have all of the power in the hands of a handful of elite because there's too much power to be abused there. You know, there's too much risk, uh, and I think you're right. I think only now are we starting, maybe over the last couple of years, to understand the value of crowdsourcing. You know, we, there's crowdfunding like Kickstarter. There's crowdsourcing, which is where everybody throws some ideas into the pot, and you can solve things quicker, you know, if you can systematize it somehow. So I do like what you're saying, that you can't have just, like, the highly educated or the editor or whoever, you know, be that tiny group of elite, um, because that is sort of what we had before. I mean, that's why they were able to present, like in Flex Magazine, all the bodybuilders in this very apple pie almost pantheon of lifting gods you know and i mean that whole image has been shattered that's for sure i think what it comes down to is that we truly are as a species in our infancy with this technology um and how we're using it and um you know the social media and how it's so quick and um, there's so much information out there and i think we're you know all of us you know uh, our in, our infancy is how we're going to use it most effectively, and we're kind of like we're like, like children with a new toy. Um, all we want to do is just abuse it and use it nonstop. Um, and I think there's going to have to be a point where you know collectively we all come to kind of a, at least most of us come to an idea that you know it's it has been abused in the last several years, um, but because because of the fact that we're like kids with a new toy, and we, it, there has to be a little bit more respect afforded it, um, which in turn will, I think, magnify the positives, which is what we've been talking about you and I the last couple minutes, but also, you know, um, suppresses a lot of the negatives that I was kind of, you know, tripping about, you know, 10, 15 minutes ago. Okay. Well, th that's it for uh, our time bit there, so... Listeners, uh, that's how we're going to do it as best we can uh, in just coming weeks until we can figure some things out here. But it's not a bad format. We can have a, a conversation with Phil and then uh, come back and have one with Rob. Uh, Rob won't always be on the phone, of course. Uh, it's just the best way we can reach him right now. So thanks for listening, and uh, I guess we'll uh, talk to everybody next week. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio 
for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.